Oh man, I just I just love the Ortho Show for so many reasons. I mean, we just bring such amazing, you know, stories from amazing orthopedic surgeons, and it's just such a variety of orthopedic surgeons. You know, our last orthopedic surgeon was Russ Warren, who's obviously one of the iconic leaders of sports medicine. And this week we bring on Jacob Kirsch, who's three years into his orthopedic practice. He's at the New England Baptist Hospital. He's incredibly well trained. And and what I really appreciate about Jacob is his his desire and his path and his knowledge. He's an old soul. He has this great sort of strategy and plan. He's incredibly articulate. He's involved in research, has 54 publications, 14 book chapters. He's part of society already for ASES. He's part of this very busy, very unique orthopedic practice. And he talks about how he's establishing his practice and growing it. This is a great episode, especially for our younger orthopedic listeners that are out there. I know you're going to love it. Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro. So this week's episode of the Ortho Show is sponsored by Ortho Laser Orthopedic Laser Centers. We really got some amazing news that just came out of the CDC. The official revised guidelines for opioid prescribing have now been made official by the Centers for Disease Control. They talked about alternative options for opioids for patients that have acute, subacute, and chronic pain. And that's right, listeners. The Ortho Laser Orthopedic Laser Centers uses laser, which is now on the recommended list by the CDC for acute, subacute, and chronic pain. This really validates what we've seen at the clinical side with our orthopedic laser centers. That's why our national growth is on a a tremendous expansion at this point. So there you go. Ortholaser orthopedic laser centers with CDC validated alternative options for pain management with laser. From Medical Media, this is The Ortho Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another episode of The Ortho Show podcast, where everyone knows we bring you the best of the best in orthopedics, and today is absolutely no exception. We're thrilled to have Jacob Kershaw as an orthopedic surgeon who specializes in shoulder and elbow. He's from Boston, baby. We love it. Nice and easy this way to get uh, make sure our Wi-Fi is working. He's an attending physician at the New England Baptist Hospital, and Jacob, it is just a pleasure to have you on. Well, thank you so much, Scott. I really appreciate you having me on. Truly an honor to be here. Uh, really love the show and what you do with it. So it really is a uh, privilege. Well, I know. I, you know, I love it. Before we were coming on, we were joking around a little bit. We're going from no pressure here, Jacob, no yeah. pressure. You know, we had Russ Warren on as our last orthopedic surgeon, legendary sports medicine specialist. And here we got you, brother, two years into practice. And it's awesome to have you. I love it. Yeah, like I said, makes me feel very, very pedestrian, you know, following one of the goats, but, you know, <laughs> I'll do uh, my best not not to disappoint. Uh, you're going to do awesome, but this is what we love to do on the Ortho Show, right? We can bring you, you know, legendary emeritus orthopedic surgeons, but I love bringing in surgeons from all different aspects of where, there are, where they are in their career. You're two years in, you're, getting, you're just starting your third year, so I know that there's a lot of listeners out there that'll be really excited to hear your perspective as how you got here, what you're doing, how you're growing your practice. But as we always do, we have to start from the beginning. Tell us where you were brought up and where was medicine, where was orthopedics in the equation of this whole thing. Give it to us. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, 
unlike, uh, you know, most sports med application uh, applicants out there, you know, I never had this life altering ACL injury that made me wake up one day and be like, Oh God, I gotta be an orthopedic surgeon. You know, I, uh, both of my parents were attorneys actually. And growing up, you know, everyone was like, Oh, you're going to be a lawyer too. And I was it's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Just out of, you know, pure, you know, people just assuming that's what you're going to do. I didn't even know what that was. So obviously, you know, being Jewish and from New York, if you cross out being a lawyer, the next logical thing is to be a doctor, <laughs> right? So exactly. it's like, all right, me- medicine is what it is. Uh, but no, I actually, you know, my dad did a lot of personal injury law and uh, I, I found it fascinating. I went to a bunch of his trials and the cases he did, and I found it really interesting when he was doing, you know, all this stuff. I found the injuries were super interesting and the surgeries they got. So that kind of really piqued my interest in medicine. Um, and then in medical school, I was really fortunate to work with a lot of people like Dave Lutton, Andy Navizer, his dad, Bob Navizer was still the chairman there. He wasn't operating anymore. And so being around all these people and seeing what they were doing, it just really uh, fascinated me. And it wasn't even so much, I want to be an orthopedic surgeon. I was like, I'm going to be a shoulder surgeon. I saw these people, I saw what they were doing. And I was just like, I love it. And so that's what I wanted to do. And I'm very fortunate that it ended up working out that way. Yeah, I mean, that's it, it, sort of the new frontier, right? I mean, we're really becoming even more and more specialized. There are still some people that go out and do general orthopedics, but I think that, you know, fellowship training, we always talk about, you know, you know, fellowship training sort of falls into two categories, right? You're missing something in your residency in which you want to fulfill, or you want to super specialize and you want to go to the best program so that you can have the best job opportunity for you as, as, for, as you come out. So you're Franklin and Marshall College, and then it's George, and you head to DC, GW for, med- for medical school. And you're just, you know, you're one of these guys, right? You're like, okay, I'm focused. I'm not taking any time off. I'm going to go straight through. I'm going to be an orthopedic surgeon, and I just keep on rocking and rolling, right? No, no downtime. No, it was great. I actually was really fortunate. My junior year of college, I got to study abroad for a semester, and uh, that was an absolutely incredible experience. So I kind of, look at that almost like that was my time off, you know? And so it gave me a little bit of that kind of mental break that most people sometimes need. And it was an incredible experience. And after that, I was like, yeah, full steam ahead. Awesome. So it's GW for medical school and then uh, Michigan for residency, which is interesting. You're our first Michigan resident ortho show alum. So let's give some shout outs. Let's talk about it. Go blue. First of all, no, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> it was great. I, I love my time in Ann Arbor. It was an incredible place to train. It was an incredible place to live. And particularly for me, you know, I went to a really tiny, small liberal arts college. So I never really had that big school experience and get to U of M and got to work with some incredible people like Ashish Beatty, Bruce Miller, Mike Freehill was there, James Carpenter. So it was a great educational experience, uh, getting to go to the big house, you know, a uh, little side fact about Michigan. We actually got a $300 a week tailgating fund. I think it was part of our wellness uh, fund. And so uh, I really got to enjoy that side of it as well. So if you um, weren't covering the game, you could go for some tailgate. That's exactly right. So that was, uh, you know, I finally got, I got to get my little big school experience through that, you know, showing up sure. in a big house, 110,000 people. It's very indoctrinating very quickly. And I very quickly, you know, became a, a diehard Michigan fan, obviously. Um, but it was great. I got to cover the basketball team for a few years. So it, it was a really fun experience. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. You know, my, one of my sons is at Wisconsin, so that Big Ten thing, there's nothing like it. There's absolutely like the atmosphere of that Big Ten sort of college game experience, football, basketball, and all that goes with it. It's amazing. 
Oh, it's unbelievable. And I mean, I, I still to this day have so much Michigan gear and you just walk down the street and people just yell, go blue at you and this and stuff. And so it, it's, you know, no one would do that if I had my regular college sweatshirt on or anything like that. No, I love it because it's like, you know, your college, you got the best of both worlds. You went to a small liberal arts school. There's certainly, you know, nobody's running Franklin and Marshall flags up and down in their front yard. Yeah, exactly. But, but, but you got the Michigan colors and now you got go blue. I love it. I went to Tufts undergrad, so I knew all about it, you know, as far as the smallness goes for sure. But so then you decide, so you, you talked about it early on in the interview that it seemed like shoulder was the path that you were going to take. So, so you decide to do the Rothman fellowship. Let's talk about that because I think there, there are probably, I mean, how many great shoulder fellowships are there right now? I know that, you know, there's probably, I don't know how many there are total, but there's probably at least half a dozen that are really incredibly well-respected. Yeah, absolutely. It's a growing field and every year there are a couple more pop up. And actually this year we actually started a new shoulder fellowship at the Baptist itself. Um, But, you know, I think for a long time, you know, it kind of, went went through waves you know at one point it was really popular and then it kind of pulled back and there was this thing about not having enough jobs and so i think the applicant cycle kind of ebbs and flows a little bit um but there are a lot of really good programs out there and it's certainly very fortunate to be able to train at rothman yeah so you're hanging out with joe abood when he's not traveling the world and going to conferences you got serena nemdari is an absolute right. you know, rising star killer guy Charlie Getz, you're probably doing some arthroscopic ladder J and doing some really cool stuff. I mean, that Rothman Shoulder Fellowship is loaded for sure. Oh, it was, it was an incredible experience. And, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, it was cut short a little bit because of COVID. So we lost four or five months because of that. Um, but even, you know, the experience that I was able to get out of it certainly made up for it in spades. And they were just such incredible people just watching what they do on a day in and day out basis. And, you know, I think a lot of the stuff in medicine, you're like, yeah, I think this is what I want to do, but you're never really a hundred percent sure until you're there. And then, you know, just every day of being a part of that fellowship was just more exciting than the previous one. And just as like, it's just an incredible experience to be a part of. Yeah, no, I love those guys. And, and, you know, just the, 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 cadre of fellows that are out there now we'll talk a little bit about that because you guys are all dialed in it sort of becomes like a a brotherhood and a sisterhood uh for future research etc all right so but you must have missed a memo here because you know i'm going to call you out on this jacob i'm like all right so you're you finished the rothman fellowship michigan you're incredibly well trained you can probably go anywhere you want and somehow some way you got lost and you went north beyond New York and you go to Boston because there's no good shoulder surgeons in Boston. <laughs> there's no competition in Boston. That's I'm right. just going to go and join these guys. And let's give a shout out. It's the Boston Sports and Shoulder Center, Alan Curtis, uh, Andy Jawa, Brian McKeon, Suzanne Miller, Kai Bidoffer, Paul White. So I mean, there's just some really great names in orthopedics in Massachusetts. So, so tell us the thought process of coming in and and how, how how welcoming were they as you're starting a practice two years in yeah no it's been an incredible experience and you know what I was looking for in a group was pretty specific and you know I was looking anywhere from you know Boston area down to DC almost ended up in DC and then uh, you know my wife is from Westboro so she's from the area so that had a little bit uh, to do with it um, you know right before COVID happened my wife got pregnant and we ended up having twins so appreciate it we love the twins we got twins in our family oh nice yeah it's been a it's been an interesting ride but they're wonderful and uh so that had a little bit to do with it but you know i uh emailed andy one day out of the blue and i was like hey you know i you know just curious and potentially looking for a partner and he was actually like no i'm good 
<laughs> and then uh, he was like, no, I'm good. I was like, oh, okay, sounds good. And, and then uh, one, of my co- one of my co-fellows was actually at a course with Dr. Abood and maybe like six months later and he, he texted me. He's like, hey, I hear Andy's looking for a partner now. Go email him. And so like literally that day I went and emailed him. He's like, yeah, I actually am now. Why don't you come up and we'll have a talk? And uh, no, I mean, it just kind of worked out. It was the exact fit of what I was looking for. It was the opportunity to join an elite practice uh, to be kind of have this really unique private model, similar to what I saw at Rothman, you know, affiliated with Tufts, but also a sports fellowship. And now we have a shoulder fellowship. Um, and so it seemed to work really nice. Uh, the one interesting thing is, you know, it's predominantly sports based. We have a lot of sports surgeons there. Um, and so really my initial role was to, you know, try and take care of all this backlog of shoulder arthroplasty that Andy had built up and he's booking out, you know, over a year and he's like, all right, well, got to find someone to help do this. So it was a great opportunity to come in and with that as a foundational aspect of it, with the opportunity to kind of build out the practice as I was able to. Um, But to your point, you know, having people like Alan Curtis, Brian McKeon, Sue Miller, you know, Andy in my corner um, to help support you and allow you to build and grow, you know, their commitment was really strong. And they're like, look, we're going to help support you any way we, we can. And that's been really tremendous for me. So I really uh, am appreciative of them for allowing that to happen. I mean, that's great. So for, first and foremost, for our listeners out there, I mean, relationships matter and, and it's huge. And you have to maintain those relationships throughout your entire career, right? One minute Andy says no, but then, you know, Joe's talking to him and Joe's like, oh my God, then next thing you know, you're knowing about it. You make a call and there you go. I think another thing that's really important is that when you're joining these practices, and you have these elite doctors that have already got established practices, there has to be a commitment from them to help you to grow your practice. If you're going to go there, hang up your shingle, sit back and wait for people to come to you, it's going to be a long, lonely ride. So I'm really pleased to hear that they have been supportive for you in in establishing your career. And I mean, you know, the, so there's a lot of aspects which really are great with this. You mentioned the privademic model. So for our listeners, that means that that you know you can be a professor at Tufts University along the process, but yet you have a private practice. You can be involved with industry. You can be involved in professional education. You can be involved with fellowships and learning. So let's talk a little bit. I mean, then you've got like these awesome dudes in your shoulder and elbow fellowship. Glenn Ross, Sarev Shah, Tom Gill, Alan Curtis again. I mean, what a great thing now that you've learned and you can now pass on that knowledge as you're continuing to learn as well. So it's a really great gig. Oh, it's awesome. And to, you know, we kind of run the shoulder fellowship really in conjunction with the sports fellowship, a lot of the same people. And so it's really cool to be able to, like you said, get the best of both worlds. And I also get the opportunity to teach Tufts residents. And, uh, and those are the things where, you know, I feel like personally being in a pure private model where I didn't have that, you know, I feel like I would have been missing out. Um, And so, like I said, it kind of, for me, it checked all those boxes. And then the other thing uh, that's really important is, you know, not only when you're thinking about a practice and the people that you're potentially going to join that can support you is, you know, what health system are you affiliated with? And being able to be part of the New England Baptist health system is incredible. And it's not, it's something that I didn't really truly appreciate because I wasn't from this area you know, my wife is, and she's like, oh yeah, everyone knows if you get your joint replacement, you got to go to the Baptist. And um, so having a a health system with that big name and reputation behind you, that's also something that, you know, people come to the, come to see you because of the health system. And, you know, I remember, you know, I was like second month into practice and I saw this one guy who he worked his whole career at MGH, was there 40 years, saw JP, 
Um, and then he was talking to one of his buddies. He was like, oh, no, if you need a joint replacement, you need, you need to go to the Baptist. So then he comes, <laughs> comes, comes to see me, you know, second month into practice. And he's like, yeah, you know, I met with JP. I was, you know, you know, worked there my whole career. But my friend said I needed to go to the Baptist. And I looked you up and, and you're my guy. So I was like, <laughs> you called you called your mother immediately. Yeah, I was like, okay, you could have, you know, living legend JP do it. I like, or me. I'm like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> you know, so it's uh it's it's nice to have that behind you as well. So for the listeners, JP Water is a shoulder specialist, world renowned. He's like the professor of professors. He's at Mass General Hospital. JP's gonna be on the show. Well, he has to come after you though, of course, Jacob. But we're <laughs> gonna, we're gonna we'll get JP on the show later on. We've been already been talking to him, but that's just an amazing story. This this amazing professor, and then oh no. Dr. Kirsch, you're my guy, you know, three months into practice. I think that's fantastic. But that's yeah, what the Baptist good. does. I mean, you know, as as a, as a doctor that was trained at the Baptist and part of the Tufts program, that network of how we do things is awesome now. I mean, to be, you know, when there's tertiary care cases that need to be done or second opinions, it's awesome to know the people and then we send them down and you guys can help to take care of them. So it really is a great network and a great place to be. I think you're very fortunate uh, to have had the opportunity to jump in, you know, at this stage of your career and be able to be a part of that for sure. Oh, it's been tremendous. And, you know, it's one of those aspects that I didn't really appreciate as much when I was going through it. But again, you know, when you're looking for a job and trying to figure out how you're going to build your practice and things like that, you know, having the backing of a big health system, which has a tremendous reputation, you know, people know the Baptist, people may not know who the heck I am, but they, you know, it's a way to all of a sudden get busy and have people come to you through your health system affiliations. Yeah, no. And that's a great, great message and lesson for our listeners out there, our young orthopedic you know, residents or medical students who are trying to figure out their path. But let's talk about some of your passions here. Uh, sure. Some of the things that I think that you're, you're amazing at. So, you know, in orthopedic years, okay, you know, you're, you're in your third year of practice. It's like, you just got bar mitzvah. Okay. But, <laughs> but yet, you know, I look at your research, you've got 54 publications and you got your name with 14 book chapters. I mean, that's not by accident. That takes a tremendous amount of work and energy. Tell us why you are so passionate about making sure that evidence-based medicine is something that we're really paying attention to. Yeah, absolutely. It's always something that I've, you know, really been interested in, you know, since, you know, my time at Michigan. And, um, you know, I think it's really important not only to try and do your best, you know, both clinically, but also do your best to advance the field, see what we could really learn from our patients and figure out how we can make it better. But it doesn't happen in isolation. You know, I was very fortunate to benefit from everything that Rothman had to offer as far as their entire system for doing research and learn how to do that. And the same thing, you know, here, you know, get to work with Andy Jawa and the system that he's built to be able to facilitate doing research. Um, I think it's incredibly important. It's inspiring. It's powerful. It's something that we, you know, in a private model, we self-fund. So we self-fund all of the research just because it's something we enjoy doing. It's part of what we like on a day in, day out basis. And at the end of the day, you know, I, you know, seeing patients today, they're like, you know, oh, so they're six months in. So, all right, cool. So you're done with me. I'm like, no, I never done with you. I always bring you back. I see you back at one year, two years, five years, 10 years. And, you know, I think being able to keep a close eye on your patients, follow them critically, get outcomes, measure how things do, you get to really get a sense for how good are we doing and what can we do better? Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that the camaraderie that you guys have is really, you know, quite interesting. And it, it actually spreads across whether it's the Rush Fellows 
who then mingle in with the Rothman fellows, you know, and then all of a sudden everybody's still doing research together. So you're pulling your data. And so it seems like every other day I'm popping up on LinkedIn and there's another Jacob Kirsch publication <laughs> that's coming out, you know, and I'm like, wow, man, those guys are crushing it. Or Meg Bishop or Seth yeah. Sherman, you know, you know, there, or Ben, you know, there's just so many people out there that are really sort of working together. I find that to be really unique and different from in my time in training when we were first coming out. And I think the other difference is I think there's a real focus, at least from the ASCS standpoint, about having these multi-center groups. I think we've realized that, you know, there really is strength in numbers here. And I think, um, and I'm sure it's no different in AOSSM, but we're coming up with these multi-center research groups and it's much more collaborative and we're able to get bigger studies, more powerful data. And it's great too, because then you get to interface with people all over the country on a different level. Um, create these multi-center groups and really come up with, you know, really powerful research that's allowing you to change the way you think about things. I think it's great. I think Seth Sherman said it really well. It's like, you know, when he left HSS and then he went down south to, to Missouri and then finally out to uh, to Stanford, he said, you know, look, as soon as I left HSS, everybody wanted to work with me because they knew at that point it wasn't going to be any competition. So it's like, same for you, you know, you're up in Boston, you're the Rothman connection now, yeah. you know, up in the Boston area. And so it's great to see that you guys are really cranking out the research. And you brought it up. Another thing that I think that that you have great interest in very early on in your career, again, not by accident, is societies and committees, right? It's a way in which you stay connected within the orthopedic world. And so, you know, you've elected to do that very early on in your career where many, many of our listeners, many of the early orthopedic surgeons are like, well, I'm just trying to start my practice. I don't really have a name yet. I'm not sure they're going to take me as a committee member, or I'm not sure I want to join a society, but I think that you've done that really well. So talk to us a little bit about that for our listeners as to how that may develop for them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, whether it's through AOSSM, ASCS, you know, there's so many committees and there's always things going on in ways that you can help, you know, whether they're subspecialty committees and um, it could be a small thing, it could grow into a larger project, it could be, and they're so multifaceted, it could be research-based, it could be social media-based, it could be whatever you want, but just having the opportunity to get involved, to get your foot in the door and then interface with people all over, you know, you expand what your connections are. It's not only that, you know, I get to benefit from the Rothman connections that I've developed. And now all of a sudden you're working on this committee and you meet these people and they hook you up with this thing. And, and then you get into all these different pathways. Um, and so I think it's a great way to stay involved, you know, particularly if you're like, look, I don't have a, a research infrastructure, but I really want to remain involved in the society. Well, this is a great way to do it. And all of these subspecialty societies have various committees and agendas that they have to try and continue to grow and build their uh, committee, you know. And one of the ways that I'm hopefully trying to do this now, you know, ASCS has a shoulder elbow week all over. So I've been trying to plug Dr. Abu to get Boston as a site to do uh, Boston for shoulder and elbow week. So maybe they'll listen to this, get a little extra pressure from the Arthur uh, Show Joe, podcast. Joe always listens to the Arthur. We're actually, do, <laughs> we're actually doing a short for him on Saturday for shoulder 360. Are you going to be at shoulder 360? Of course. I was of there course. last year. It was an unbelievable course. Um, and so yeah, I'll definitely be there this year as well. Yeah, we're, we've actually got a little collaboration going on now with them, with the Ortho Show as well. So we're going to be down there, man. And I'll tell you right now, anybody that gets up there and doesn't do a good job, we're talking Rotten Tomatoes. They got a oh, gong. Yeah. You know, That's right. There's a lot of good he, stuff happening at this meeting. I love it. Oh, he loves the gong. <laughs> he just <laughs> whacks it. You're off. Done. You're off. You got, even if you're a full professor, man, you got to be careful. They're, they're going to come after you for sure. 
So another one of my passions is industry. I've always been very deep in, in having connections with industry and developing medical device development or professional education outside of, you know, CME type education. I saw you were on with the Taiga Medical people the other day on LinkedIn. So is that going to be a passion for you too? I mean, in a private model, you can do that. You can help to develop instrumentation or new shoulders or whatever it may be. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been uh, an incredible experience with those guys at Tygon. I really love what they're doing and having the opportunity to work with them. And one of the cool things about working with, you know, a smaller company is, you know, you, you know, you have various levels of input that can be interfaced in a different way that, you know, dealing with like a striker or something like that. But those guys are great. Um, really love the opportunity that I'm getting with them. And But industry in general, I think is really important. I think sometimes it gets a really bad rap uh, for a variety of reasons. But for better, for worse, it's a pretty integral part to our field. Um, and I think being able to navigate that in a way that's really helpful, productive, they can do a lot to support resident education, fellow education, you know. Um, so there's a lot that you can use to leverage that, not only for, you know, you know, making new implants, making things better, but also supporting resident, resident education. Uh, some of the fellow support we get comes through there. Um, and so, to me, I think it's super fascinating um, to be a part of that because inevitably in orthopedics, it's such a big part of your world, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's super well put. You know, it's so funny as I'm sitting here talking to you and listening and I and I hear a young Bill Levine, you know, <laughs> you know, Bill was my co-chief resident together and he just had, you know, really great, you know, aspirations very early on in his career. And you're, you're incredibly articulate. You have a path, you have ideas, you're involved in industry, you're involved in society, you're doing tremendous research. I don't know, maybe the president of the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgery one day, we'll see. But uh, no, it's great, uh, great to see and hear your passions as well. So, you know, one of the things that I think that, that young orthopedists in particular have a hard time with whenever they join a new practice, and we've talked a little bit about it, but just give us an idea about what you're doing on a daily basis and, and the support you're getting around you to help grow Jacob Kirsch's practice, not just a New England Baptist shoulder surgeon, but what are they doing to make Jacob a busier and better with a big surgeon? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, kind of the whole concept, I really think about this at you know, kind of three levels. You know, the first level we really talked about, it's what you do before you get there. It's really choosing the right practice for you. You know, choosing a practice that's going to help facilitate your growth, having senior partners that are truly invested in you and building your uh, practice and potentially having a health system that supports that as well. Um, and then, you know, there's kind of the second level of that are kind of what, like these like checkbox items, just things that you have to do in this day and age when you're starting out to help build your practice. You know, a big part of this is social media, you know, having a website, for instance, you know, when I came here and I interviewed, I was like, you know, how are you going to advertise? Like, do you have websites? And that what I was told was like, look, in Boston, if you advertise the question, is, the question you're going to get is why do you have the, why do you feel the need to advertise? And I was like, oh. Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to overstep. That's so old school, but welcome to Boston, right? A yeah. lot of medical information gets out of Boston, but not a lot in. Okay. And, and, <laughs> and so, and so for better or for worse, I mean, in today's day and age, you know, having a website that you could use to not only help promote yourself, but it's a tremendous patient education tool. We have lots of videos on there, things like that. Um, so something like that is really helpful. Having a Google business profile where you can get Google reviews that helps search engine optimization that helps patient unsee patients testimonials, things like that, using things like LinkedIn, um, that helps connect you with therapists, other professionals in the area. So a lot of things like that, you know, really help kind of build your practice, build your name, things like that. The other thing is, you know, just meeting with local therapists when you first start, 
doing talks so they get to know you. Um, and I, I think that that's kind of the foundational level of it. But really the, the bigger part is really the philosophical approach, the tier three level stuff. And this is, you know, or, you know what ortho show alumnist and uh, my fellowship mentor, Joe Abood calls building your brand. When people talk about, you know, building your practice, I think it's really a misnomer. You know, when people say, oh, are you, how, how are you building your practice? Are you getting busy? It's often something tied to volume. But really the, the way I think you need to approach it is this concept of building your brand. And so, like you said, you know, how is this really building that aspect of it? And your brand is, you know, a brand is bigger than just its product. It's bigger than just, you know, its outcomes. It's, it's something that's all encompassing. And so really kind of shifting this focus to, you know, how are you building this brand? Um, that's something that's bigger than whatever institution you're at. That's something that's bigger than whatever practice you're at. And I think that's the real kind of philosophical approach that you need to take in order to really, you know, start to not only uh, become successful, but particularly in an area where you're practicing in a Boston or a New York or a Philly, something like that. And, you know, I, could, I couldn't agree more. And I think that your professional brand is who you are and it can be individualized. It doesn't have to be the same. So Jacob Kirsch is research, he's academics, he's industry, he's society. It may be you like to be a storyteller. You may want to educate patients. You may be a technique person where you want to describe techniques that are available and show patients how to do that. So there's a lot of ways and you can identify what makes you happy and whatever it is that's going to be a part of your brand. Exceptionally well said. You know, as we come to a close here, Jacob, I think that this is one of the reasons that I just love the ortho show, you know, Russ Warren, you know, the goat of sports medicine to Jacob Kirsch, who's incredibly articulate, intelligent into his third year of practice, you know, really describing and explaining the ways in which he plans a road uh, to success. I think it's really been wonderful and a great opportunity for you to be able to share your story. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed being here. It was a, it was a great experience. And, you know, ho hopefully listeners, you know, you know, the ratings don't drop too much after following Russ Warren on that. <laughs> no, I think I think Jacob Kirsch is going to blow up here. I think uh, <laughs> we may be getting the whole bunch of new followers on LinkedIn and all the other places that go. Well, look, man, we're going to give a, a final shout out to Shoulder 360. That's where I'm going to see you next. Yes, uh, sir. It's uh, really a pleasure uh, having you on. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro host of the ortho show till next time.